All right, we're about to get all over the world. Uh, we're starting in uh, continental Europe and heading across to Canada. Sarah Lucas, our travel guide. Hello, good afternoon to you, young good lady. Good afternoon, Mark. All right, so I know you're excited about those locations. Uh, yes. What will we be talking about in a couple of minutes in uh, Germany? Germany and Austria, and particularly the Bavarian Alps and the Austrian Tyrol, It's they are two of the most stunning examples of um, natural beauty in Europe, along with other countries too. But that particular area, that bottom half of Germany, which is Bavaria, into the top part of Austria, is absolutely gorgeous. So we'll talk a little bit about that and some tours you can do to experience those wonderful areas. And also chasing the Aurora Borealis, but in a different location. Mm, I'll learn about that. Western Territories of Canada. All right, all of that and more. Jumping on that uh, plane, heading across to Germany. Well, hopefully I'll give all these people who are banked up in traffic something else to think about. Think about their next holiday. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, that's, that's a good so, way to spend the afternoon. Absolutely. So we're talking about the area of the Black Forest, which covers um, the Bavarian Alps and the Austrian Tyrol, and a, a gorgeous, gorgeous part of both those countries. And we have friends that live in Munich, and a few years back we visited them there, and um, I hadn't been to Munich before. I had been to Germany, but not to Munich. What a gorgeous city that is, especially the old town. And you're so close, you forget once you're in that southern half of Germany. Look, we just went by a day trip to visit their family who lived in Erwald, this beautiful village mm. just on the other side of Austria. And, you know, the Zugspitz, which is that spitz of that wonderful mountain, with a huge peak on it. it. You know, we stayed in this lovely chalet-style hotel with the most stunning view. Just gorgeous. And also in that area, you've got Linderhof Castle. Now, Linderhof was um, built to be similar to Versailles but on a smaller scale. What an incredible incredible castle that is. It's, it's really one I didn't know much about either. So and there's a tour at the moment you, you can do that's covering all these areas, which is why I'm mentioning it. Um, and it's really quite lovely because it's got a lot of longer stays. So you're not just doing like, you know, the whistle stop tour of one and two nights. You're really doing this part of the uh, Bavarian Alps and the Austrian Tyrol in, in depth. So you're going to spend quite a lot of time there. It's 14 days. So that's, that's quite good when you think about the size of the area compared to how we travel and how far we go in Australia. Well, again, if you're spending a couple of weeks in a spot, you're really going to have that chance to immerse yourself into everything that is that part of the world. It is. And even some of the photos, I said my friend who lives there, because she's actually Argentinian, so Germany isn't her home country. And she still keeps getting amazed every time she she's a real hiker and walker. They do these magnificent walks, go to these beautiful lakes. And every time she sends me photos, I'm just so blown away. It is really, really stunning. As I said, you do have this incredible mountain range with really towering peaks. You've got crystal clear lakes and you've got lovely, of course, the old, still cobblestone streets and all your old areas. You know, you're wonderful ornate churches, you've got your traditional wooden chalets, you have markets, and the Alpine region itself is just stunning. So this particular itinerary, it's staying in Schönwald, which is the centre of the Black Forest area, where you visit Heidelberg Castle, which is gorgeous as well. Um, you do some wine tastings on the route alsace Duvin, which Alsace, again, is a famous area for, for wines. Um, you visit uh, Triberger Wasserfall, or waterfall, which is Germany's highest waterfall. You stay three nights in this picturesque town called Fussen, um, and you do uh, wandering. Um, sorry, you wander around some amazing gardens there, and it's this island called the Flower Island of Maynau, and it's just this most beautiful. A park full of full of flowers. It's really quite stunningly beautiful. 
Neuschwanstein Castle, of course, which is what the Disneyland castle was based on. Is that right? Yep, okay. it was Neuschwanstein. So you're doing that on a guided tour. You do a mountain cable car ride up to Tegelberg. Sorry. Uh, you do the Linderhof, as I just mentioned, the extravagant Linderhof Palace and the gardens there. Um, then you stay four nights in a beautiful spa town as well, and which is lovely. And you do the old town of Innsbruck. And Innsbruck's gorgeous. It's quite small. Like Not all European cities are big. Even Munich's not not big by standards of, say, other cities. You so know, how many folks would live there? I know that might be a... You're throwing that at me, Mark. Yeah, no, no I, don't, I don't. I can't answer that one <laughs> off the top of my head. So you can Google I'll, it while I'll, I'm talking. I'll look that up. You can look that up. Um, you also go to Hitler's Eagle's Nest and visit Berchtesgaden, which I'm probably not good with my German pronunciations, um, and the historic um, salt mines as well. And you also go to Salzburg and the village of Hallstatt. And then you follow a scenic lakes district road as well. And you're also, you know, relaxing. They have lunch by some beautiful lakes. And it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous itinerary. If it's a part of Germany that you haven't been to, you might have touched on but not had a chance to do it in depth. And that top part of Austria. So just keep that in mind. It's a lovely, lovely itinerary for that part of the world. And I'd certainly recommend it. The the small amount of time I've spent there, as I said, um, it starts in, in Frankfurt, this itinerary, and you actually finish in Munich. Um, so beautiful itinerary and of course you could fly into Frankfurt and fly out of Munich or if you've got a rail pass you could you know, enter and exit by rail because they're trying now to encourage everyone in Europe now to stop intra-Europe air travel that it'll all be eventually all be by train. There'll be no intra-Europe air travel in the years to come and it's cutting back bit by bit by bit. They're just introducing more and more fast train services, which is excellent. Uh, just to give you a bit of an insight, uh, <laughs> Munich population, this is a 2019, huh? uh, okay. 1.4 million people. Yeah, so, so that by city standards, as I said, it's, it's not big. 1.4, compare that with, say, Sydney, 5.3 million. Yeah. So it's, what, four times the size. Yeah. And, and it's lovely. It's, get some beautiful old churches. We found a lovely little rooftop bar when we were there overlooking Munich, and it's it's just lovely. The old town, or Alstad, the old town, and they've got the um, the Marienplatz, which is a, a central square in Munich as well, which is delightful. And they've got these beautiful gardens, and they've got even a, um, a surfing um you know, I don't waterway if you want to call it that. Yeah. Within these gorgeous gardens, but also in Germany, what they have in Munich as well, they have these little beer gardens in the middle of the parks, which is all these lovely little, you know, for the summer or this outdoor seating with umbrellas where you can just sit and have an apérol spritz, as they nearly all do over there, or you can have a nice German lager or pilsner and watch the world go by. So it's not for our Oktoberfest, I think, by the sound of things, Sally. <laughs> done her, uh, done her dash on continental, continental Europe. You're heading yes. across. To Canada for something we might not necessarily usually associate with this part of the world. No, I don't think. Well, some people may, but it's about the the dance of those wonderful northern lights, the aurora borealis. And of course, a lot of people think it's mainly just to go, you know, to Norway or Iceland or you know to that area of the world to, to view them. But of course, um, you can view them in Canada as well. Now, this area is what they call the Northwest Territories of Canada, um, which of course Yukon is the the main. Area, the Yukon as it's known, and Yellowknife is the actual town we're going to talk about there. So it's just one of the, re- not well, it's not the only reason to visit, of course, this beautiful city of Yellowknife because it's on the edge of what they call the Great Slave Lake. It's okay. an interesting name, isn't it, in yeah. northern Canada? Um, anyway, this it's a, it's a freshwater lake. It's the 11th largest in the world. And I didn't know this either. And it's it's about twenty eight and a half thousand square kilometres. 
So it's not a small concern, this no, one. No, <laughs> and it's about the size of Belgium. It's also North America's deepest lake, and apparently it's rich with all sorts of, of fish. Um, and because the lake is clean and cold, apparently the fish keep near the surface in summer. And with 24-hour daylight at that time of year, it's an angler's delight. Oh, that's the, that's right, because that part of the world they don't see hell of no, a lot of dark. There's no dark. Yeah. So they can just stay out there and angle all night and... Catch a load of fish. I don't have... I wonder if there's a limit. <laughs> there's got to be a bag limit. How do you reckon you'd go sailing living in a place like that in those summer months where just you saw no no dark at all? Well, I noticed you this morning complaining about daylight saving, and I'm thinking, well, Mark, you obviously could not live in, in the Northern Hemisphere because no. it's it's daylight full on. Yeah. Well, my issue with daylight saving is that we change... Your body doesn't know that 5 o'clock is now 4 o'clock. No, that's it takes a while to adjust. Yeah. That's that's the thing, and I agree with you there. I am adjusted now, though. But anyway, going back, of course, to this area of the world. So in this uh, on this lake, actually, near the shores of Yellowknife, they, they have houseboats there as well, and you can go rowing on the lake, of course, all those sorts of things. So there are extra things to do other than seeing, of course, the Aurora Borealis. Now, the Northwest Territories, this part of... Um, Canada and Yellowknife is only home to about 20,000 people. So we're talking small again, even smaller. But it's a place rich in Indigenous history as well. But it does tout itself as being, they consider, the best place in the world to see the Northern Lights. So, as I said, you can do all sorts of tours there, including... um, canoe expeditions, fishing trips, snowmobile and boat tours, depending on what time of year you're there, Indigenous culture tours as well, and they do a lot of this storytelling through food and traditional drumming. So it's an interesting part of, of Canada. Mm. You're getting away from your, your large cities, your urbanised areas. So obviously you have to be to, to see the lights, of course. Um, and then they've got an old town which you can go to as well, so, which and apparently there's a road there called Ragged Ass Road, <laughs> and it was named by drunken pros- prospectors. Of course, it was. <laughs> who found themselves ragged ass poor. <laughs> so that, I thought that was really quite quite funny. Um, but there as well, they've got lovely museums and heritage centres as well, which is home to over seventy five thousand objects. Um, and of course, they had an explorer there who called um, an area there the area's First Nations people. He called them Copper Indians because of their copper tools and hence where the name Yellowknife came from. That makes sense. So there you go. So that was discovered there um, also with gold. It was discovered there along with uranium and silver. So it's a very interesting part. So you can go there, of course, when it is bright and sunny, like in I think it was the report I was reading on this, she was there in, in the um, the supper time, but it was still only between 16 to 20 degrees and down to what they call a mild, a two to three degrees overnight. But of That's course, not in, mild. <laughs> but in winter, it can drop to minus 40. I can't even imagine that, can you? Not at all. Not at all. And they said it was really interesting, while exploring the city, uh, this particular journalist noticed that there were leads with power plugs hanging out of the front of car grills, and she wondered what was going on. Anyway, a local informed her that it was the plug for the electric blanket that's connected to the house power slips around the car battery during winter so it doesn't freeze overnight. Well, do it till it stops working, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Ingenuity. Ingenuity to the max. max. And also they say that you can actually, you can be up till three or four in the morning and, you know, don't just go there for one day thinking you might be going to see the lights the first night you're there Mm. because, again, it's a phenomenon. You know, it's a, it's a natural phenomenon that you're seeing and it's electrically charged particles you're seeing from the surface of the sun being captured in Earth's magnetic field. So, But you can see them on an average 240 nights a year in Yellowknife. 
That's pretty decent That's chance. That's pretty good averages, isn't there? So, but yes, you do need to stay probably three or four nights would be ideal because then you can enjoy the area as well as, and of course, if you're up till four and three in the mo- three or four in the morning, you're going to come home and want to go to bed for a few hours to catch you up really on your are. sleep, aren't you? You really are. But yeah, just consider it as an alternative if you want to do the Aurora Borealis. All right, quick one up on the roads before we keep moving. The uh, earlier uh, delays at Heatherbray making your way to Hexham still very much. I think it might be a little of that school holiday traffic. No sign of an accident at the moment. But traffic back pretty much all the way to Raymond Terrace. We're seeing delays there now. Also along Raymond Terrace Road as folks try and get around that. Uh, but also making your way from the M1 once you hit Joe Renshaw Drive and New England Highway. Delays all the way to the bridge. Uh, delays also around Weekly's Drive. Might take you a few sets of lights to get through onto the M1 there. Avoid the area if you can. A little bit more talking travel, Sally's Hot Deals, and a few other developments in the passport space next. Yeah, a little grease lightning at 2 in URFM 103.7. Sally, I know you'd be ready to do a bit of grease lightning, yeah? <laughs> in my youth. <laughs> you still do the stretching, the Pilates and all that? Yeah, get yeah. You ready to go? I'd, I'd give it a go. All right. Now, I know we're going to get into the hot deals in a couple mm-hmm. of moments as well, but, of course, if holidays are on your agenda, and particularly if you're heading overseas, that passport space has been really disrupted over the last little while. What is the absolute latest? Well, the absolute latest is, and, of course, you've heard that some people are getting them quickly and some aren't and so why should it allow six weeks da 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 first though demand on passports is at an all-time high i mean last year 2.6 million australians got a passport and that's nearly half a million more than the passport office's previous record so and there's still over 2 million australians who've put off getting a new passport since covid so they could apply in the future and add to the demand so you never know that's going to fluctuate so that's why they're saying allow six weeks you may get it in Mm. less than a week but it will just depend because how can you predict when people are going to apply for a passport again with all of those folks that were would be regular travelers that would just tick 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 they haven't and all of a sudden if they're like you know what Mm. And maybe business travellers as well. Well, they haven't probably looked over the last three years. If they haven't travelled, they've just forgotten that their passport is due for yeah. renewal this year. Gee, I, can I have you my? Know? I'd love to keep my passport photo from like '06. That was that was a good year. I got to say. <laughs> just remember though, like children's applications always take a bit longer, and first time adult as well, because children's need like the approval of both parents to get a passport. There's extra documentation, etc., required. So keep that in mind. Um, renewals uh, usually are done a lot quicker. Um, because you've already got an existing passport, so that doesn't take as long to you know, to be processed. But, yeah, just allow the six weeks. You may get it quicker. You may not. The but. second that you start thinking about – so you're listening to Talking Travel and think, I want to go over to Canada to see those northern lights – before, do the passport, do the passport now. now. It lasts for 10 years, for heaven's sake. Mm. So, you know, and yeah. particularly without being horrible, but particularly if you're getting in your latter years, like 10 years is probably plenty. Like if you're, mm. if you're 70, you might not travel after 80 or whatever. Mm. So you, your 10 years is going to last you, you know. Or 10 years. 10 years. <laughs> but, I mean, it's going to be, uh, you know what I'm trying to say, you'll get a lot of travel done <laughs> before you might years. think, I'm not going to travel yeah. anymore overseas. Like a lot of people, as they get older, choose to stay in Australia or, mm. or, and do they'll do the overseas stuff while they're younger and fitter. Yeah. 
and keep the other stuff, you know, when they want to be a grey nomad or, or whatever, to travel within Australia. So that's what I was trying to get at. And it'll last you 10 years. <laughs> 10, years 10, 10 years is 10 years. Um, having said that, there are a lot of deals that are around that they uh, won't be here in 10 years, so they're here now. No, they're here right now. Now, these uh, Norfolk Island, of course, one of those stunning little um, islands that is part of us, which is only three hours away, so it's not that far away to go. They've got a sale which ends on the 28th of April with a range of accommodation, and Norfolk Island always includes, which is fantastic, your airfare, your car hire for your seven nights, your accommodation, and then there'll be always plus, 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 depending on where mm. you're staying. If it's self-contained, it might be some tours. If it's somewhere that provides breakfast, it might be breakfast. So you just need to look at the different standards. There's a whole range of accommodation on Norfolk, ranging from, from basic to luxury. So, you mm-hmm. you know, the world's your oyster, so to speak, even though I know you don't like oysters, Mel. No, uh, no. Are we no, going down no, that path again, are we? Not a chance. I love them. Dennis and I will be right. Dennis, um, Dennis, you and I think Julie was the caller, so forgive yeah, me if I'm Julie or Vicky, I think one of them. No, both of them. So you go, uh, De- Dennis and a bunch of ladies eating oysters. What could absolutely There's not- a couple of tall tales for you. Yeah, yep. Now, for April, which I know has been halfway through virtually, but there's still some offers of discounts on the Murray River Princess Cruises, which are great on their three, four night and seven night cruises for May, June and July this year with a 5% discount um, savings of up to three forty per person. So keep that in mind. The Cook Islands, which I love and I can't wait to go back to, Direct flights from Sydney, yay, are commencing on the 29th of June. Now, you can save up to $500 per couple if you book by 30 April on a range of different accommodation packages. Again, same as what we've said before, different inclusions depending on where you stay, whether it's, you know, transfers, whether it's a tropical breakfast, whether it's a tour, etc., etc. So keep that in mind. The cooks are open for travel. Now, this is an incredible saving. Oceana Cruises have got extraordinary savings of up to 45% off. That is a lot of off. Now, this goes to... No, it's 45%. (laughs) It's a lot. We're going to get you a calculator, Sally, for these segments. (laughs) It's a lot of off. Anyway, uh, on selected voyages, over 60 sailings across Asia, Northern Europe, the Mediterranean and Alaska. So there's a cruise there for everyone. Um, The offer gets only sweeter when they've got a reduced 50% deposit throughout April as well. And on top of that, Oceana offers a lot of extra packages like an amenities package, prepaid gratuities or shore excursions or a free house beverage package or a free shipboard credit. So, again, some wonderful offers out there in the marketplace at the moment. And also Outback Spirit, they've still got savings if you book also by 1 May of up to $3,000 per couple on a range of their itineraries throughout the wonderful remote areas of Australia, Kimberley, the Top End, all those particular areas, Cape York, Central Australia. Um, So keep that in mind as well. And finishing on the 12th of May, Paul Gauguin Cruises, who sails around that wonderful area of French Polynesia in the Marquesas. Um, it's 25 years of operation, so they've got an offer ending on the 12th of May at the moment where you get a, a bonus $1,500 flight credit per person. Oh, that's a win. So there's lots of wins out there, to be telling you, to be quite honest. Yeah. And then lastly but not leastly, New Zealand, the ski season's coming up. And there's a great offer there at the moment for families to, where you can stay in Queenstown for under $4,000 for two adults and two children under 13. You get six nights accommodation at the Heritage, which is beautiful accommodation, a spacious family room. You get to go on this wonderful 1,600-metre luge ride. 
Can you imagine that? that wow. will be, can you no, imagine be, the kids on that? Yeah, that would be fun. I'd be happy to do yeah. that. Um, so, and then you get a four-day early bird uh, multi-mountain lift pass. Um, you ski cor- to ski Coronet Peak and the Remarkables. You get a gondola ride in Queenstown, five luge rides as well. And that's valid from 1 July through to the 30th of September. And also children five years and under ski free with a paying adult. So how about that? There's some... Good deals out there at the moment. Lots to be had, Sally. So we've covered quite a lot of ground today. So uh, thanks for that. Yeah, no and worries. Another Talking Travel next week. Any idea what we're covering next week or we'll have to keep it under wraps for now? Crystal Globe. Sounds pretty good. Right, thanks, Sally. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Mark.